It's Monday, March 21st. I'm Sarah Y. Kim. The court battle over redrawn council districts in Baltimore County is creating a headache for at least one candidate. A package of bills in the Baltimore City Council aimed to crack down on vacant housing. The COVID-19 positivity rate remains low in Maryland, but public health officials say we're not in the clear yet. And Senate hearings are underway for the first black woman to be nominated to the Supreme Court. It's The Daily Dose from WYPR, our latest reporting on Maryland's COVID-19 response and the local news of the day, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. While COVID-19 numbers died down dramatically after the Omicron surge, national health experts warn that it is possible that we can see an increase in cases in the near future. There is a new Omicron variant, and other countries are seeing some of their highest COVID rates. Still, Dr. Anthony Fauci says it likely won't be a surge, given that more people are immune because of vaccines or have gotten COVID in the last surge. On that note, Maryland's positivity rate went up slightly over the weekend by about 0.1%. It's still low at 1.56%. 196 people are hospitalized with the virus, three fewer than yesterday. State Elections Administrator Linda Lamone has announced a few new voting deadlines now that the state primary is July 19th. Marylanders must register to vote by June 28th, and the deadline to request a mail-in ballot is two weeks later. Early voting is July 7th through the 14th. The court battle over Baltimore County's redrawn county council map is creating headaches for candidates. WYPR's John Lee reports. Democrat Mike Cartel is running for the 6th District County Council seat. He currently lives in the 5th, but under the map approved by the county council, his home would be moved into the 6th, except the state elections board has him running in the 5th. Got that? They put me in the 5th district because the maps aren't approved yet. He says the uncertainty makes it harder to get people to contribute to his campaign. You get thrown a lot of, well, you know, do you really know what district you're running in? Can we wait until we know for sure? Ertel hesitates campaigning in those six district neighborhoods that could wind up in a different district. He says the redistricting confusion makes it harder for new candidates like him to get the word out about their campaigns. A federal judge is hearing arguments over whether the council district map drawn by Baltimore County violates the Voting Rights Act because it dilutes the power of black voters. John Lee, WIPR News. Baltimore City Council President Nick Mosby is introducing three bills that would increase fees for negligent vacant property owners. WIPR's Emily Sullivan reports. One would require owners to foot the bill for fire department emergency response services at their vacant properties. A second would create a rising fee structure for multiple 311 service requests at vacant properties. A third would increase Baltimore's vacant building registration fees. Mosby says the proposals will incentivize owners to address complaints about their properties, which would stop them from falling into disrepair. The idea is hopefully it'll move some of the property out of these deadbeat property owners into the hand of responsible property owners that actually care about the city. His bills come about six weeks after three firefighters died while responding to a blaze at a vacant building. Emily Sullivan, WYPR News. Maryland residents may start feeling some relief at the gas pumps. Lawmakers voted to suspend the state's gas tax for 30 days, lowering the price of regular gas and diesel fuel by around 36 cents per gallon. 
The gas tax holiday runs through April 16th. Senate Judiciary Committee hearings began today for the Supreme Court nomination of federal judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson. All 22 senators on the committee were to give opening statements before hearing from Jackson, who, if confirmed, would become the first black woman on the Supreme Court in its 233-year history. In his opening remarks, Republican Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas said the nation's crime rate is of great concern to the GOP and laid blame on the policies of the Biden administration. And in his words, liberal judges who have more sympathy for victimizers than for the victims. He said he will look hard at Jackson's past experience and decisions on crime and policy. Judge Jackson isn't nominated to be a district judge or a circuit judge this time around, so it is not enough to say that she will approach things with integrity and fairness and faithfully apply precedents set by higher courts. Just as you wouldn't hire a teacher who refused to say anything about their teaching philosophy other than that they would look at the curriculum and appropriately teach the students, it's not enough to say only that one would look at the facts and arguments in the case and fairly apply the law. That wouldn't tell us anything about how one plans to do the job, how one interprets the law, how one understands our Constitution. It's no secret that I voted against Judge Jackson's nomination to the circuit court last year, but I want to give her the opportunity to show why I should vote for her this time. So I want to be clear about what would convince me to support any Supreme Court nominee. I'm looking for a justice who will uphold the Constitution, not use it to invent new so-called rights. I'm looking for a justice who understands that the Constitution means what it says and does not mean what it doesn't say. Someone who understands that it is not up to nine unaccountable, unelected politicians in black robes to decide some new evolving meaning of the Constitution based on public opinion polling or views of the legal elite. I'm looking for a justice who realizes that a so-called living Constitution really means that the Constitution is dead. Instead, we should have an enduring Constitution, as Justice Scalia contended. I'm looking for a justice who understands that there is a process for updating the Constitution, and that process is by amending the Constitution. I will not support anyone who seeks to rewrite the Constitution from the bench, rather than through our constitutional amendment process. I'm looking for a justice who understands that nobody is above the law and will not coddle criminals or put illegal aliens ahead of American citizens. I'm looking for a justice who will protect the right to life of innocent infants instead of caving to the abortion lobby, creating whole new swaths of law out of whole cloth. I'm looking for a justice who will make decisions based on the law, not based on their personal experiences or preferences, not on empathy, not on desired political outcomes, but on the law and the Constitution. Democratic Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey was jubilant in his opening remarks and said all Americans should take stock in what a historic moment this is. Let me just acknowledge the fact that this is not normal. It's never happened before. The Senate is poised right now to break another barrier. We are on the precipice of shattering another ceiling, another glass ceiling. It's a sign that we 
as a country are continuing to rise to our collective cherished highest ideals. I, I, I just feel this sense of overwhelming joy as I see you sitting there, as I see your family sitting behind you. You know, the greatness of America is that these imperfect geniuses at our founding founded a nation different than any before on, in human history. It wasn't because we all prayed the same or looked the same. They put forth in a constitution the best hopes for humanity. And the story of America, I think, is a testimony to this world of what diverse people can achieve. It's been said by so many of my colleagues about the fact that we have had 115 Supreme Court justices and we shouldn't diminish the accomplishments of mostly these 108 white men. They were extraordinary patriots who helped shape this country. But now we are seeing to the highest court in our land a hopeful day like this, that, that so many of the people, so much of the rich talent of our nation who could not scarcely ever dream of sitting on the Supreme Court, now we are showing that we will indeed go deep into the waters of our nation and pull forth the best talent. In her opening remarks, Judge Jackson thanked President Joe Biden for his confidence in nominating her to the highest court in the land. She also thanked the senators of the committee for their commitment to this process, saying she'd met with each of them individually over the past three weeks. Your careful attention to my nomination demonstrates your dedication to the crucial role that the Senate plays in this constitutional process, and I thank you. And while I'm on the subject of gratitude, I must also pause to reaffirm my thanks to God, for it is faith that sustains me at this moment. Even prior to today, I can honestly say that my life has been blessed beyond measure. The first of my many blessings is the fact that I was born in this great nation. A little over 50 years ago in September of 1970, Congress had enacted two civil rights acts in the decade before, and like so many who had experienced lawful racial segregation firsthand, my parents, Johnny and Ellery Brown, left their hometown of Miami, Florida and moved to Washington, D.C. to experience new freedom. When I was born here in Washington, my parents were public school teachers. And to express both pride in their heritage and hope for the future, they gave me an African name, Katanji Onyika, which they were told means lovely one. My parents taught me that unlike the many barriers that they had had to face growing up, my path was clearer so that if I worked hard and I believed in myself in America, I could do anything or be anything I wanted to be. Like so many families in this country, they worked long hours and sacrificed to provide their children every opportunity to reach their God-given potential. My parents have been married for almost 54 years, and they're here with me today. I cannot possibly thank them enough for everything they've done for me. I love you, Mom and Dad. On Tuesday and Wednesday, committee members will engage Judge Jackson in questions. And on Thursday, the panel will hear from outside witnesses.
We're always happy to hear from you, and we'll be here for you again on Wednesday. The Daily Dose is brought to you by WYPR, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. Big thanks to my news team colleagues, Rachel Bay, John Lee, Joel McCord, Emily Sullivan, and Callan Tansel Sutton. Our digital content director is Jamila Krempel, and our general manager is LaFontaine Oliver. The executive editor of The Daily Dose is Danielle Irby. Stay healthy, stay sane, and stand together. I'm Sarah Y. Kim. Thanks for listening.